0: Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics and Ron McBerr, the host. Thank you so kindly for being a part of the show. We're going to have a great show for you today as usual. Well, you know, well, you know, well, you know, folks, let me tell you, it's been a rough morning. I have uh, one of our great, great listeners out here with me today, El Senor. <laughs> you know, I think, I think I'm going to kill Norman, man. Norman is over here helping me build a fence. And you know what? That's what we did all morning And that's what I did just before I ran up here to finish preparing for the show. I did most of it at midnight last night. But, hey, we're going to have a great show for you today. I could not do any of this without having great people surrounding us saying, you know what? We want to support what you're doing. We want to make sure that you get things done. Welcome, Maywood. Welcome, Maywood. E2247, welcome aboard. AVQ is also known as Raman R- R- Rodnan. Welcome aboard, Miguel Rodnan. Of course, we are here with Gabi that keeps changing names and keep changing names. Wide awake. Afternoon, everyone. I hope you are wide awake. Yvette Avery Herod, my good union friend, the one that's gonna make sure em- employers do right by employees. Vis-a-vis, we need to convert. Everything away from what's also known as antiseptic slavery. Anyhow, let's get busy. Michael Rud- Rudnan says, WikiLeaks' lead witness is US, in U.S. case against Julian Assange admits to fabricating evidence against him in exchange for a deal with the FBI. I haven't found anything on a mainstream network media source in saying this. Only a couple of independent news. Assange, Julian Assange, Free Assange. Of course, you won't hear things like this on the mainstream media because that narrative has already sailed. It takes independent media and others to put that out. The reason I'm reading that, I'm not an Assange fan, but I am supporting uh, the the movement. Anyhow, Michael Rodden also said, Vitaly Epstein, first of all, Assange is a political prisoner of the collective West, second, the American elite, Hell-bent on punishing him to make an example why it is costly to go against the oligarchy. And third, you can see the mainstream media is under total oligarchy control, and you cannot trust a single word from it, even if it seems to make sense, because it will be manipulating facts to ensure, facts to, to get the oligarchy agenda in your head. Exactly. Exactly. That is so prescient. So prescient. Uh, In your head Continuing uh, I grew up in a totalitarian regime With double speak It is now exactly the same in the US How it was in Brezhnev's times Good afternoon uh, to you as well Miss Avery Abuse and torture US reacts to Donald Rumsfeld's death Donald Rumsfeld is responsible For a million deaths And will be remembered as the architect Of America's worst foreign policy mistake I am so glad that I haven't really heard a huge glorification of this man because this man was a bonification of evil. The amount by your words, by your lies, the amount of people that were murdered, the amount of people that lost their lives, the amount of kids, mothers, fathers, daughters, brothers. When you have the power to do that. When you have power, it is when you ought to be the most responsible. When you have power... It's when you should be responsible. Trump organization indicted by New York prosecutors in tax probe. Looks like the charges will be tax evasion and fraud. New York's attorney general is going after Alan Weisenberg. Trump's feet—they're going after Trump too, man. Dozens dead, hundreds hospitalized in heat weight. A, a difficult shear. A sad. This is an entirely predictable outcome. Global warming accelerating. Infrastructure crumbling. These heat waves are only going to get worse. I agree, Senator. Ker- Senator Kirsten Sinema slammed fa- fa- false pressure to reach filibuster-proof six votes since newly unearthed. 20- I saw the video last night. Here she is talking about oh, the uh, filibuster needs to be used uh, when she th- actually thought it was an anarch- anarchism back then. So that was a good find. Okay, Deborah John, welcome aboard. Most peaceful episode yet. Let's see what else we got here. Uh, E2247, hello, relatives. Gosh, but I hope this will be a great visit today for once. We're going to always have great visits with you, brother. Always, always, always. Maywood, hello from Long Beach. Peggy Lopez, hi, all. I am on again. You can teach this old dog a new trick. I have a lifetime of being late. Love you, girl. Late or not. E2247, Egberto, you look a little bit blurry-eyed from staying up all night and prepping our visit. Yeah, I am blurry-eyed. I tell you what, I was out there using the saw, not the saw, the drill and the hammer. And I even used an axe to get rid of some roots, you know. But you know what? We're politics done right. You know I got to keep politics done right on schedule, so... I told Norman, Norman, you know what time it is. I got to get up there an hour and get things done, but the sun and being, you know how that goes, brothers and sisters. E2247, sleep tight tonight. I'll try. I'll try. I'll try. And of course, Gabby wants me, you know who that is, to use some hydro- hydroxychloroquine. Oh, yeah, right. Biden's Postmaster General Lewis Le- is already costing Democratic Party candidates a loss of support. The joy is Biden's postmaster general now. Why does Biden refuse... Another one from E2247. Why does Biden refuse to replace alleged Democrat Ron Bloom as chair of the post office board of governors? Bloom is vice chair. I think, I, I think they're making sure to dot their eyes and cross their T's. We'll see. Facebook now telling users that someone they know is becoming an extremist. Really? Now Facebook is going to get involved with that. Huh? Okay, did Brooke... Feel use Qatari dollars to lease a a Kushner bill. I don't know. I'm not going there. Not going there today, brother. But, hey, man, you guys keep writing, but I love you. I love you. I love you. Revolving Door Project, two weeks ago, published to ditch the joy. I hear you. Okay, going down. Nanette Bird-Smith, welcome aboard. E2347, HR2230, the joy act nine co-sponsors. Okay. All right, what's today's show about, folks? What's today's show about? Title of the show. Aaron Solomon on Obamacare Scott's decision. He has a point of view. New HCDV chair, Harris County Democratic Party Democrat chair. Uh, he has some words to say about winning Harris County. We are a bellwether county. If we win, when we win, we win the entire country. And if we have some time, we'll tackle Wall Street and the privatization of water. I really want to read you a chapter in my new book because I wrote a chapter about Nigeria and water bottles and The fraud that is the water movement. Let's go listen to our friend, however, and what he intends to do with Harris County. And this can be reflected throughout the entire country. Check this out. Welcome to one more edition of Politics Done Right. I'm Igberto Willis, your host. Look, let me tell you something. Harris County, the bellwether of the country, not just of Texas, it's the most important county in this country. And its leadership matters. And over the last four days... Harris County has chosen a new chairperson, new chairman for the Harris County Democratic Party, and we are happy to have today the one and only Otis Evaguru. Did I get that correctly? Evaguru, yeah. Evaguru. Say, say it for me again. Evaguru. Evaguru. Okay, yeah, sure. so I got it. It is Otis Evagaru.
1: Otis, welcome to Politics Unright. How are you doing today? Good. Thank you so much, Egberto, for having me. Thank you for being a precinct chair and volunteering and doing what you do uh, for for us as well, too. I do want to acknowledge that because anybody who's willing to do that uh, for the cause, uh, I'm always excited and passionate about. So thank you for that, too, and thank you for having me on.
0: Well, look, we are happy to have you. And not only are we happy to have you, we are happy to have young people engaging in the body politic because the truth of the matter, uh, chairman... Is that you are the future of not only the Democratic Party, but you are the future of the country. So, my first question to you is: uh, How does it feel being this young dude that is now the leader of the Democratic Party in the, I think, the second or third largest county in the country?
1: Yeah, third largest county. And if I remember correctly, everyone always says if we were a state, we'd be the twenty-fifth largest state in the country. So tremendous honor and like i said i have to thank the precinct chairs for electing me uh, this past sunday and entrusting me uh, with the vision of the party and really entrusting us because it's going to take all of us it's going to take work and so i'm just ready to hit the ground running that's what i'm excited about is the work it's always going to be about the work it's never going to be about anything else Um, doing these interviews with you is great and then other media folks but it'll mean better in november 2022 when we up the margins in harris county and we're at the forefront of foot Texas and getting a statewide seat for a Democrat for the first time since the
0: 90s. Well, let me tell you, Otis, you didn't just win the seat. You uh, won the seat because of your deeds. You won the seat because you've shown your ability to communicate across all platforms. You've shown your ability to communicate across all people. And you've actually served in the Texas legislature as one of the biggest confidants. And uh, I think you, you were
1: the chairperson for uh, whose campaign? Uh, John Rosenthal. John Rosenthal. I, I I got to run his campaign twice, and then I also uh, ran the coordinated campaign in 2018 in Harris County, where we flipped all the judicial seats, we flipped County Commissioners Court, and we flipped two hast- two state house seats. Excuse me. That's allowed me to be the chief of staff or State Representative John Rosenthal out of Northwest Harris County. Well, interestingly, um, I think that's what I said.
0: Deeds is what d de- your deeds what's poke. To the, to, the, um, to the people who elected you. And I think it's, it's important to also note that we don't only have to repeat 2018. We have to supersede 2018 because a lot of stuff that's happened in the legislature in Texas. Tell us a little bit about it and tell us also within the context of the rest of the country, because like I said, Harris County is a bellwether county throughout the country.
1: Right, right. It all Progress starts here. Progress starts here in Harris County. We know that if we drive up the margins and we make Harris County more blue, it's going to flip Texas. And so goes Texas, so goes the country. So, So it starts in Texas, it starts in Harris County, but we also have to uplift our region Right, We've got to help out our neighbors in Montgomery County and Brazoria County and Galveston and Fort Bend and Waller. It's got to take a team effort. We have to build coalitions. That's how we're going to win. That's how we're going to flip Texas. Southeast Texas, the region of Southeast Texas has to be at the forefront of flipping Texas. And it's more evident than ever. And I tell people all the time, there's only a few of us in the building who work the stateside and work campaigns. If you work campaigns in 2020 and you were in that building in Austin, you really felt the losses in 2020, not having the majority in the state house to block things like permitless carry to block things like an all an all out abortion ban, um, then dealing with um, pretty much criminalizing homelessness instead of actually addressing issues like affordable housing, health care. Economy and jobs. We did nothing about a grid that saw so many people die during the freeze, and we're about to hit the, su- the hottest days of summer we've ever seen, probably in Houston locally. Um, so we did all these things that didn't help anyone. Uh, it was all about skirting the rules. If you paid attention to the Senate chamber, Dan Patrick has no respect for it. And then it's all about you know defunding staff, right? Um, um, you know the House Democratic Caucus walks out on a voter voter suppression bill that would have hurt so many communities and disenfranchised so many communities even more. And the Democrats saved democracy. They in fact saved the Republicans who admitted themselves there was bad provisions in SB7. What does the governor do to save himself from embarrassment and save the Republican party from embarrassment? He doesn't thank the Democratic party. He defunds the legislative staff. I mean, this is what we're going up against. We've got to fight, and there's a reason why I put my name in the fray. Because we've got to fight; we have to, and we've got to. We've got to, you know, we've got to talk about people, we've got to talk about precincts, we've got to talk about policy. That's what we have to do in order to win. And, I, and I, I'm worked up already this morning thinking about the legislature because these these folks are going back on July 8th, not to talk about the grid, not to shore up the grid, not to secure it, not to talk about COVID relief that so many people still need. Not to force the GLO to make sure that they're giving money to Harris County who's still dealing with the after effects of Harvey. What we're going about to go do is we're going to go mess around again with transgender kids. We're going to go there and suppress people's vote. We're going to talk about social media bans if we don't agree because people are kicking people off of just lying on social media and spreading out more misinformation. We're going to be t- probably talking about taxpayer-funded lobbying for cities and counties who have to go defend themselves in Austin. When people can't go up there themselves, they have to represent these people. So these people, all they want to do is talk about everything but the real issues that impact your life. And that's what we're going to do as a Democratic Party. We're going to talk about it. and We're going to talk about the progressive way of doing it as well.
0: That is the energy that I've always been hoping we would have, not only in Harris County, but throughout the Democratic Party and the progressive wing uh, throughout the country. Now, let me let me say one thing. Um, Here in Texas, um, we over uh, the Affordable Care Act is, I think, over 12 years old now. Uh, And in Texas, we are the state with the least amount of people, the the most people in the entire country. Uh, the Affordable Care Act offered something known as a Medicaid expansion to the Affordable Care Act, which we are yet to pass, which means that Republican policy in effect is causing the death of many Texans as we speak today. One of the things that I've always been concerned about, and I don't know as, as the leader of our party, as a person who has to build coalition and of a coalition that doesn't necessarily want to be as aggressive that it needs to be. I want to know, how are you going to handle, well, progressives like myself will simply come out and tell the truth. Uh, uh, Republicans in our legislature or legislative leaders are effecting the murder of, of, uh, of citizens in this country of Texans. I know you can't quite say it like that. How are you going to push that we get more aggressive in the ills caused by the Republican legislature, Republican politicians that are materially affecting not only Democrats, but all of their Republican uh, voters?
1: No, that, and that's a great question. Number one, we have to be visible. We, can't, we, we, we must must be in front of the cameras. We must be articulating a clear message that directly impacts people's lives. And that talks about one of the, one of the, um, one of the foundations that I had, one of the platforms that I had for my campaign was policy campaigning must meet governing in order for us to be very effective it has to we've got to engage our elected officials in DC and Austin county commissioners court school board city hall that's how we're going to get stuff done it has to happen it can't just be about campaigning we must impact policy you know i say this all the time and you made a and i love how you talked about the republicans If you look at rural Republicans, go look at their voting history inside that building when it comes to Medicaid expansion, just what you're talking about. Hospitals are closing in their districts. People are dying with no insurance, but they continually vote against expanding Medicaid. That's because it's not good enough to just rally and protest. We must do those things. Don't get me wrong. We've got to be in that building. We have to apply consistent pressure on our elected leaders. We have got to be passionate. We've got to fight. And we've also got to talk about issues that directly impact people's lives. Where have we we haven't been talking about the economy and jobs, Berta? In fact, if you look at a Republican if you look at Republican led legislatures in states that are red, all of a sudden now they're passing referendums that favor fifteen dollar minimum wage. That's not a Republican talking point. Right. If you look at some of these states like Oklahoma, they put a referendum to expand Medicaid. That's not a Republican talking point. If you look at the, if you look at the state legislature now, you see some of these Republicans now want to legalize marijuana. That's time my check. That's not a Republican talking point. Oh, Oh, by the way, they also want to tackle criminal justice reform. That's not a Republican talking point. Progressive policies work. What we have to do is we have to do a better job of articulating it and making sure that we aren't playing defense, we're playing offense. We won't be playing defense. I've made that promise to everyone. There's no playing defense in this office. We are going to play offense. I only know one speed, and that's go. Uh, There's too many people's lives that are being disenfranchised, marginalized, folks who don't get a seat at the table who are voiceless. We're going to change that. We're going to change that, we're going to be aggressive about it.
0: Now, Democrats must compromise because of the coalition that we have. And some of the coalitions that we have do have very a very moderate, to put it bluntly, a very moderate upper funding class. Yeah. How are you going to present yourself as that glue that, that, that allows those people to learn and see that progressive values also favor them? Because in my humble opinion, and it's just my opinion, I feel that a lot of, let's say, or more wealthy Democrats don't quite get that. In fact, to some extent, they are still under some of the, they still believe in some of the policies of Reaganomics. Your thoughts?
1: Yeah. So, you know, that's another big part of my platform, right? It's people. It's building coalitions around what I call the DMV, disenfranchised, marginalized, and voiceless. When we do that, we all win. Building from the bottom up is how we win. It's a beautiful thing to see. Trickle down, anything has never worked. It never will work. We need to get rid of that that state of mind. And so what we have to do is when we go talk to, um, quote, unquote, the establishment or or other folks who've been a long time, Democrats, um, we have to talk to them and say, hey, look, we all got to come to a table and sit down and listen. We must listen to each other. And I know, again, I might get in trouble for saying this, but, but we just like you said, it's about telling the truth. That's what people want. When we tell people the truth, they'll listen and they'll rock with you. But it's, I look at like defund the police, right? There's a defund the police part of our party and there's a non-defund the police part of our party. Could we use a better phrase than defund the police? Sure, absolutely, right? We could do that. But guess what though, Alberto? You know what Joe Biden did when he got elected president and he took that took took the took the oath? He terminated private prison contracts with the Department of Justice. Right. You know why that happened? Because of the Defund the Police movement. Right. What we've got to do as the Democratic Party is that we got to remember the North Star that we're trying to get to. We're all trying to get there. We all believe in the same thing. Because the Defund the Police folks and the non-Defund the Police folks, you know what they're trying to do? They don't want none of them want to get harassed by police. None of them want to get killed unarmed. Well, killed, period, right? No one wants to get harassed by police. No one wants them to get away with uh, abuse of power. That's, that's, I don't care if you're for defund the police or, or not defund the police. We all agree on that. So it's about getting back to the basics and talking about the meat of the substance and not just worried about a three-word phrase that caught, that caught on, and it caught on. And sometimes that happens. It'll catch on. But what we gotta get back to is focusing on the real issues, right? How can we make police more accountable? We all want that across the board, Republicans, Democrats, Independents. We all want that. So it's it's different ways of making sure that we are articulating our message very well, but we are coming to the table and we're listening to each other and we have to lead by example. And that's what I have to do as well too. I can't sit here and think that I'm a know-it-all. I cannot do that. When constituents come to us, we have to listen, sit down and listen have an open and honest conversation. We're not going to please everybody, but all we can do is say, you know what? Here's an opportunity here. Here's an opportunity here. Here's another opportunity that we can come together. There's opportunities everywhere for us to come together. It's not just. Otis,
0: uh, what would you have liked me to ask you or what do you want to tell our audience that I didn't ask you or that you want to say?
1: We're going to win. We're going to win. You know, Joe Biden lost the state by six points. You know, we, barely got the, we barely missed the majority on the state House by 23,000 votes. We're going to win. We need people engaged. We need people to sign up to volunteer. We need people to give, donate. We can't win campaigns without money. become a sustaining membership a member. excuse me, visit Harrisdemocrats.org, get plugged in. Get plugged in. It, the, the time is now. No longer do we have next. We got now. So we're going to win. We're going to win. We're going to have a comprehensive plan. We're going to make sure that we're electing Democrats up and down the ballot in Harris County. We're going to make Harris County go even more blue and better believe we're going to be at the forefront in making sure that Texas uh, Texas flips because as Texas goes, so goes the country.
0: The Attorney General of Texas, Ken Paxton, said that uh, he prevented Trump from losing Texas by not allowing 600,000 votes out of Harris County that would flipped the election. That tells you something. Otis yes, sir. thank you so kindly for having been on Politics Done Right, the new chairperson, the new chairman of the Harris County Democratic Party.
1: Thank you so much, Egberto. I'll see you soon.
0: Let me tell you, it is wonderful seeing young people stepping up. And Otis is one of those young people stepping up to take over the party. And not only take over, but make sure it is all-inclusive of everyone. And making sure that we support policies that support every single Harris County resident, every single Texas resident, every single resident of the United States of America and Brother Daniel Ledeux, the Marxists are not scrambling to deflect from defund the police. I think you should listen to a woman named Brittany Packnett. Uh, Brittany Packnett Cunningham, she spoke on the police, the defund the police more eloquently than anyone. In which industry were you put investments of large amounts of money? Do you think they are successful after their, their return on that investment has proven a failure? Defund the police uh, pretty much means take mo- the money that you're given the cops to kill people and put it into services that prevent crime. That's what we should be doing. Okay, our next guest is Aaron Solomon. We'll talk, well, let me see first if I have, thank you for the kind words, E2247. Uh, let's see what else we have. Yes, uh, Bruce, we are going to make sure everybody's registered to vote. In fact, I am a voter registrar as well here in Texas. And guess what? My guest yesterday, uh, Matthew Dowd, he, in his little town in Texas where he lives now, I mean, he flies to New York for for, uh, for MSNBC and all these things all the time, but He resides now in Texas, and he actually registered people now to vote in Texas because he said he's going to do whatever it takes in Texas to make sure Texas turns blue. This former Republican says he wants to make sure Texas turns blue because the Republicans are a clear and present danger. They are anti-democratic, and if you follow what's going on right now, they are in fact Anti-democratic. Michael Rani says if you want less crime, get people out of poverty. The desperation that comes from poverty is a is leading cause of crime. You hit the nail on the head, brother. Anyway, let's listen to Aaron Solomon. Welcome to one more edition of Politics on Rani. I'm Egberto Willis, your host. Thank you so kindly for being with us. We have a special guest today. You, you know, folks, you would think by now several years, more than a decade after we have done what was necessary for people in this country, that we would not have to be talking about this issue today. We are here today with Aaron Solomon. He's the head of strategy for Esquire Digital. He has taught entrepreneurship at McGill uh, University and the University of Pennsylvania and was the founder of LegalX, the world's first legal technology accelerator. Aaron's work has been featured in TechCrunch, Fortune, VentureBeat, The Independent, TechCrunch Japan, Yahoo, ABA Journal, Law.com, The Boston Globe, The Hill, and many other popular publications, including our own or their own, today's Esquire. So, folks, we have somebody who of which knows what they speak. Welcome to Politics Done Right. Aaron, how are you doing today?
2: It's great to be here, Humberto. We'll find out if I know of what we speak. I hope that I won't let your audience down.
0: I have no doubt about it, my friend. Anyhow, before we even get into Obamacare and all of that, um, yesterday, I, was, I, I watched a, a thing on, on, on uh, CNN. They gave a complete expose of what occurred on January 6th. And I I just, you know, I, I don't know if you're, how very political you are or not. It doesn't matter. I just want to know as a U.S. citizen, as an American, I don't know if you've seen, if you saw it last night or not, but what's your thoughts on January 6th from the perspective of us being the United States of America?
2: So, you know, I have a very interesting perspective um, on that, you know it's, I've lived all over the world. I've lived in places like Beijing, and I just came back from living almost four years in Berlin, where there's, you know, a lot of Americans as well. And it's such a visceral thing, the closer you are to the events that happened in January. So I am, I think, a very political animal, as, as many of us are. And I think I'm still reeling at you know the slippery slope of democracy. It's very difficult to get back up when you start to slide down, and there's no doubt doubt that the democracy did. And while things on their surface seem to improve since January, we're you know months now away from the 2022 midterms, right? You know, I, I, it's going to be a very interesting time ahead.
0: I am I am very uh, concerned. I you know I think I'm doing my part to, and I I really uh, in as much I have, as I'm fairly partisan or very progressive, not partisan, very progressive, I am doing my best to hope that everybody gets their real wishes done in a democratic manner. So we'll see. I'm from a part of the world where democracy is not very democratic. And to see that the bastion of democracy is actually in trouble is it's very difficult to, uh, to 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 take into account. Anyhow, let's talk a little bit about Obama, Obamacare's Supreme Court case. Your thoughts? I mean, you, you know, I am not a lawyer. You are. I'm not. Um. I as soon as I heard what the results were, and I realized that they didn't touch Obamacare's the guts of Obamacare. I was concerned, and when I got your email. it made the concern even worse. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what occurred in the Supreme Court?
2: Yeah, I can certainly give a little bit of background about it. So, you know, what was really at issue here was this notion of the individual mandate. And anybody who knows anything about Obamacare and the ACA knows that the individual mandate is the provision requiring individuals to have insurance. And if they didn't, until 2017, there was a $695 fine levied by the IRS. That's changed. What's happened since 2017 is that that penalty has zeroed out. And it's important because this really became a linchpin in the case. What the court said was, you know, there's been a trilogy of cases that have actually looked at whether or not Obamacare was going to survive. This is number three. There was a case called National Federation of Independent Businesses versus Sibelius back in 2012, And then there was King versus Burwell in 2015. And then this case, California versus Texas, which was decided last week. Right now, as it stands, Obamacare survives and the approximately 30 million Americans who are involved in the program in one way or the other got to wake up on Friday morning and realize that they still had health insurance. But is this gonna be written in stone forever? Absolutely not.
0: No. You said 30 million. I just want to say one thing because um as it turns out, I believe the provisions of Obamacare is so much for reaching in that all policies now had to have the same protections and those that those 30 millions get 30 million who have Obamacare get some I in. A lot I, I, I wish I, I want more people to realize that a lot of the protections they have in their own insurance at their jobs and otherwise, even though it's not Obamacare those laws fall under the Obamacare law. I think it's important for people to see the severity of this and that if this goes, which you're saying the possibility still is that other cases could be brought up. And if this goes, it doesn't only affect those 30 million people that nobody cares about, but it affects women's pricing on insurance, et cetera. You want to expand on that a bit?
2: Well, for sure. I mean, so there's a couple of different ways that this can end up going. So as we say, you know, for right now, the ACA is safe. And really what the court was saying last week was this. And remember, we've got a 6-3 conservative majority court. This decision was 7-2. So it was 7-2 in favor of upholding Obamacare. And people are saying, well, that doesn't seem to jive, like what's going on? Here's why. I think what the court was saying, if this is the quality of plaintiffs and challenges that you're going to bring to Obamacare, maybe the best way for you to all sort this out in the future is legislatively rather than <laughs> through the courts. Um, there's this great writer that I like so much, Molly John Fast, uh, and she's very, very much a liberal. And in an unrelated issue this morning, she said, You know, Democrats continue to bring a stuffed animal to a knife fight. And I thought that that was a wonderful quote of hers. And it's precisely for this reason. That I won't bet against the ACA being revisited either judicially or legislatively. I think that while people are feeling very confident after Thursday that the ACA Obamacare is okay for now, that there are going to be other challenges to it. That's my opinion.
0: Well, um, I think your opinion is well placed. And that's that's one of the reasons I wanted you on, because I think this needs to I think people need to get this in the back of their heads because what happens is a lot of folks would vote for certain candidates because they think, okay, Obamacare is safe. I can vote on other issues now that I want to, you know, of what I want. To explain that a bit more, cause I think that's how a lot of a lot of people vote in their own interests on specific issues. And if that specific issue they believe is taken care of, how do they behave?
2: So, I mean, I don't think that part of the fundamental tenets of democracy is that we should always be looking out for our self-interest. I think the idea of living in a democracy is that we work together for the benefit of others. So, you know, even if only 30 million, in quotations, or only 30 million people were affected by Obamacare, there's a huge interest in society in making sure that everybody has health coverage. I mean, like I said, you know, I've lived in lots of parts of the world where health coverage is a given. It's not a question of buying in or having private insurance. Part of what you get by being someone who lives in that country is health care. So I think that benefits not only the people who have and need the health care, but benefits the society as a whole. I think that we can't be as myopic as we tend to be. Uh, in a democracy that's under siege from the things that happened in January and before that, I think that we've got to look out for the interests of ourselves and, and those around us as well.
0: Well, you know, Aaron, it's voices like yours that needs to be um, upheld because um, what happens is we have a narrative in this country that everything needs a payback. In other words, um, if, uh, if uh, you know, when we talk about businesses, uh, it's like uh, we if we're going to create a tax for this something how is it going to affect business as opposed to how it's going to affect humanity it always gets me and it's pleasant to hear you say that hey in other countries it's a given I think if more people understood that and realized the kind of outlier that we are with respect to how we treat our own people uh they, they there would be there would be a change how would you how would what can we do other than bringing people like yourself on to tell folks that they're we don't, it doesn't have to be this way. It could be better. What are the things that we can do? What are the things that you are doing uh, with your, with what you do to kind of put that out there?
2: Well, there's two things. The first piece is raising awareness, right? So one thing I want to raise awareness about initially about what happened last week with the ACA is I'm going to use a great football analogy that everybody's going to understand. All the Supreme Court did on Thursday was punts. They didn't like the plaintiffs. They didn't like the issue. So nothing was fundamentally decided about the constitutionality of the ACA. And then, like I said, a lot of experts believe that this will eventually be resolved in the legislatures rather than by the Supreme Court. And that may be the case, but the reality is it's going to be looked at again. And then the second thing that people can do and need to do is vote. The 2022 midterms are right away. You know, There's a razor thin margin in Congress right now for the Democrats. And a lot of experts who are far greater statisticians and have far greater predictor, predictability um, abilities than I do um, are thinking that that margin may not be there after the 2022 midterms. So I think that we need to educate ourselves, educate our communities and make sure to vote.
0: You know, what is interesting is I, um, I, I if people listen to what you're saying, first of all. I think there's a good possibility that, you know, I think there were two other times in history where the, the party in power, the, the party in presidential power and the entire government, they actually held on to it. I think it was during 2000 when uh, Bush was elected. And I don't remember what the other year, I think it was under Clinton as well, where, where, where they maintained. And each time there was something special that caused it. Do you, don't, don't you think that right now this pandemic may be one of those issues where people uh, give uh, don't follow that rule, if you will.
2: I think so. I think the pandemic has changed so many things about our personal behaviors and our social behaviors. And I believe as well about our political behaviors. I mean, plus we have seen things move forward in some ways. Just look what happened in you know Georgia for the special Senate election. That was truly historical. Can that kind of momentum continue moving forward? But well, we don't know. Here's the thing, look, The Supreme Court still has about 18 cases left to go. Just this morning, when we're interviewing right now, having this conversation, about an hour ago, they came down the Supreme Court on the decision involving NCAA Mm student-athletes. It was a very narrow decision. Uh, More will come about that later on. There's still, you know, at least a dozen cases to go. And then the next term begins in October. And we already know the Supreme Court has accepted hearing a case that's going to revisit Roe versus Wade and the fundamental ability of women in the United States of America to have an abortion. So anybody like me, by the way, who's surprised by the Supreme Court and thinks that they're following the dictates of the Chief Justice and actually acting with one voice of the court, I'm surprised by how centrist they've been in a lot of their decisions so far. But again, don't get fooled. It's a 6-3 conservative court with folks like Kavanaugh, and Barrett. So when it comes down to these fundamental decisions we're going to see over the next 18 months that affect the law of the land leading into the 2020, 2022 midterm elections, there's a lot that could happen. So we have to be vigilant and we have to be diligent about education. And as I said, getting out to vote.
0: I think you hit the nail on the head. I've been telling a lot of folks, this is just a head fake. In other words, if we give, uh, if we give those people who don't want these particular changes a little bit of hey, they're not as bad as you can when the real issues come about. You know, I, I, I don't know about you, but what I've said is that um, the court is now, and and I'd, as a lawyer, I'd like you to uh, kind of comment on this. I've said that the way, the, the, the way, let's say, McConnell stuffed the courts over the last several years was designed for minority rule. And uh, the other thing that I've said is, Uh, What we've set up is where we are going to legislate via the courts, because if any law is passed that, quote unquote, business does not like, uh, there's a good possibility that you just have to throw it into court. And at worst, you get a freeze. At best, they just break, they just, you know, call the law unconstitutional. Your thoughts on that?
2: So you raise a really, really interesting point here. Remember one critically important thing about the way the Supreme Court of the United States functions. They don't have to hear any cases. Right. They don't have to. They can pass anytime they want. So the notion, which I think is a little bit simplistic about the fact that if something happens in a district court and something happens at a United States appellate court and it's not good for the country, the Supreme Court will fix it. But the Supreme Court can just as easily pass on hearing that kind of case or as I just said the Supreme Court can take the case and could come up with this this is a very very unpredictable court so far which is kind of fun to watch and fun to follow but when we're dealing with you know issues that involve civil rights and other fundamental rights a little bit scary when you watch kind of the machinations of a court like this.
0: Well yeah I mean the the truth of the matter is let's take take a look at uh, HR one, right I mean if 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 um, if that doesn't go through. And even, well, let's, let's back up. Even if that were to go through, isn't that really problematic that, uh, let's, say, let's say for some magical reason, uh, we, we, we kill the filibuster and it's able to pass through the Senate when it goes into the Senate version. Uh, isn't it true that the Supreme Court could just deem that unconstitutional?
2: Yeah, and plus the filibuster is not going anywhere anyway. Right. There's such a razor thin margin and, you know, Manchin from West Virginia has made it super clear that even before he had the ally in Kristen Sinema, that the filibuster is not going anywhere.
0: Well, yeah, they're Uh, using him as a straw man, right? Because there are a lot of them that want the filibuster as cover for things that they would prefer not doing, but want to say they're not doing it because of the filibuster, right?
2: I had a piece published just after the election, Uh, where President Biden became president. And I said, you know, the only way to look at Manchin is one of two ways. He's either going to become a king or a kingmaker. But it was very clear, even after the presidential election, that Manchin was going to wield the kind of power that he wields today for himself and for someone who, again, you know, I'm not saying, I'm not questioning Manchin's motives. Manchin is born and raised in West Virginia is well-loved in West Virginia and represents what he believes to be the values and intention of the state, which is, I guess, what a United States senator should do. So it's easy to criticize him from the outside. He believes that he's doing the right thing for his state and he's a huge impediment, but he's a huge power broker at the moment as well.
0: Now, um, you, you make an interesting statement when you say you don't doubt his, uh, the, the reasoning behind what he's doing. But um, my question is, when it comes to CN the type of voter suppression that is occurring in several states, including my own here in Texas. Um, how difficult is it to for anyone to see what's going on other than putting their heads in the sand?
2: Thoughts? Oh, yeah. That's, so, I mean, it's comforting sometimes for us to put in our, our head in the sand. I mean, there's no doubt about that. And all of these things are happening, but, you know, If voters like is voter suppression, something that's top down or bottom up, I believe it's bottom up. So I believe that when you see jurisdictions such as Texas, Georgia, places like this, where there is widespread you know, voter suppression, uh, new gerrymandering and all of these things, I think to a great extent, it's the will of the people. Um, That's not a good thing. That's a bad thing. I don't think it's the will of the people fighting against an individual politician. I think it's that politician, you know, doing what their Medici, the voters think that they should do. And that's scarier because that means that the power is at this grassroots level, which is why it's harder to vote these people out. Um, back to Manchin, you know, he's been involved in daily life in West Virginia for decades. And as I said, he's well loved in West Virginia. He's representing the views of a great number of West Virginia voters. That to me is a lot scarier than what a politician does.
0: Well, I'm glad that you said that because uh, I don't know what I have no idea what your uh, political affiliation is, but I'm going to say this anyway. When I um, got when 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 donald trump got elected and people were all concerned about or how could this happen etc one of the things that i mentioned was it represented people it really represented the will of the people however what it also proved is that america is not really a true democracy in that the will of the people were that more people wanted Hillary Clinton. The will of the people were that, uh, was that uh, more people wanted Biden by a landslide, and also the will of the people was that they wanted. Uh, you know, if you take a look at the Senate, the Senate is a very undemocratic body. Not only for the filibuster, it's become super undemocratic because I mean that California has fifty senators. I mean, fifty uh, has two senators, and Nebraska has two. Yeah. Uh, and and those two in Nebraska can wield as much power as they as California, there's no democracy there. If we if we proportion Senate based on population, we would have a lot better, as, as the polls show, a lot better, more progressive policies. Your thoughts?
2: Well, you know, you touched on the Electoral College a minute ago. That's almost impossible to explain to people around the world. And a lot of the writing I do is for an international audience as well as a North American audience. And when you try to sit down with somebody like in Stockholm or Amsterdam or Buenos Aires and explain to them, this is what an electoral college is and this is how a president gets elected, their their response is usually, what? What, Why don't we just do a popular vote and the person with the most votes is president? It doesn't work that way in the United States. Democracy is a very complicated thing. But the reason we all hold democracy so dear is we have incessant lessons around the world from history that shows us what happened when you don't have democracy. So the biggest concern in the United States over the past few years has been whether those democratic ideals have been sliding away from us. And you know nothing is written in stone at this point. There's still a lot of signs that between voter suppression and a lot of the laws that we're seeing now, and a lot of the ways you know, big corporations are doing business that it is fundamentally and inherently undemocratic it needs to be fixed.
0: Yeah, and I, I think that, you know, and I think the rest of the world is noticing based on the new polls, where where they, they do think that we're in a comeback, we're coming back as a more ethical country. One of the issues, in fact, is that we're no longer that best, that democratic bastion, that The reason I came to this country in the first place, the democratic bastion that I saw, and many around the world are starting to say, oh, it's not as democratic as we really were led to believe. And it, it really never was. We just were always good at PR. We were always good at PR.
2: And one thing I want to mention about this is, remember, democracy, when looked at globally, which we should do more, is always a relative thing. One election that you really want to look at over the next year, which also leads up to our own 2022 midterm, is what's going to happen in France. You have the current president of France, Macron, who's moving further and further to the right to basically appease voters there and help him from getting defeated by a surging right. And the right is surging all over the world. I saw that when I was living in Germany, the surging right, getting a lot more seats um, in the in the German Congress so it's a pretty scary thing so America always has to be measured against that as well it's uh, it's it's not a great scene at the moment
0: I was about to uh, give you my last question but you went ahead and opened a door that I wanted to touch on uh, why did you do that anyhow <laughs> um, yes there's a right movement uh, and uh, my personal opinion and I want your thought on it is that the white movement, or not the, the the right word movement is a white word movement, meaning uh white people are made to believe, or some a large percentage of white people are starting or are, are made to believe that those others are coming to take their birthright and as such to revolt, in as much as it's not true, number one. And number two, it's a false fear based on history, and I can just say go to South Africa and see what given others uh, their rightful power really does to everybody else. We're all humans. Your thoughts?
2: Well, I agree that we're all humans and it's very, very scary. So the things that we saw in the United States as regards political information coming through all of the technology and all of the devices that we use is not limited at all to the United States. It's happening in all of these countries that have a move to the right. And I think that, you know, there is a great synergy, unfortunately, what's happening now between white and right in a lot of places of the world where, you know, people who come from different backgrounds and don't look like people uh, who have political power and voting power. um, it's, It's a very, very scary thing. And it has its peaks and valleys. And maybe right now we don't see it in the news as much because It's not being as focused on as much as it was like 2018, 2019. But again, with elections around the corner, in certain countries, change of power, you know, listen, when Trump was in power, arguably the strongest and most important leader in the world was Angela Merkel in Germany. Well, she's finishing her tenure. So, All of these changes that are happening, you know, it's very, very difficult to keep all of our balance and understand where we all are in relation to it. So it's something that's going to be an ongoing, unfolding thing in the United States and abroad over the next few years. And something that we need to be diligent about, also understanding what kind of information are we getting? Is it good quality? How can we get better information?
0: Very, very true. And and you do a good job of that with the writing that you do all Thank over you. the place. So yeah, keep up your good work. Now, one one thing, I, one 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 country that has bucked the Right Words movement so far that I'm very happy about was what recently happened in Chile, which means also they are going to get a new constitution that is more progressive, if you will. Anyhow, Aaron, what would you have liked me to ask you that I didn't ask you? What would you like to tell our audience that I didn't give you the opportunity to do so yet
2: I think you did a wonderful job on all of the things relating to and not relating to the case but honestly I think the most important thing that relates to the case is all of these opinions that you might see online saying hey listen Obamacare is safe well we thought that you know over the decade that Obamacare has been around and I don't believe that Obamacare is safe uh, in any way Whether, again, it's going to be a judicial or legislative response to things in Obamacare that give people coverage is something we need to watch out for. But I think anybody that's resting easy after Thursday's decision just needs to look at this court and the history of challenges to Obamacare to understand that something else will come sooner rather than later.
0: Aaron Solomon, head of Strategy for Esquire Digital. It's been my pleasure to have you on Politics Done Right. Thank you so kindly.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: All right, folks, I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, that was a uh, inter- You know, I just realized I didn't ask for anything today. Please, folks, please go ahead and click that join button. If you are on YouTube, please become a member of our PDR Posse. Remember that we also have CUPS that are addressed with our PDR Posse, you can get that cup at this link right here. But if you don't see that join button on YouTube, please don't forget to go to politicsandright.com slash YouTube, politicsandright.com slash YouTube. Alternatively, you can provide us support via politicsandright.com slash Patreon. Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, politicsandright.com slash Patreon. Or, of course, you can support us at PayPal. We could not do this without you. We couldn't bring you those great interviews without you. We couldn't do any of this without you. Let me touch on the water issue real quick. Let's see. Uh, the, 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 the stream kind of went away from me, so if anybody have anything that they want me to say specifically, please throw it again right back into the field have to add something to the last point. White leftists here. What do I fundamentally want? More equality, cleaner environments, green job infrastructure, investment, elevating as many people as pop- out of poverty, including minorities, making sure people have at least what they need to live. I believe that the biggest aspect of systemic racism is economic disparity, and we need to address that soon as humanly as possible. You know why you're loved, Michael Rudnan? Because you see deeply. Thank you, brother. Oops, why did New York get it wrong with 135,000 ballots? Supposedly, what they did is they, they, the test ballots, they ran it again. But again, this was a Democratic primary. There's nothing f- crazy about it. This is just things happen. Things happen. Eric, I hope you are not somehow thinking or somehow validating. The possibility that Donald Trump's big lie may have any kind of validity, I would, I, <laughs> I question. Well, I'm not going to go there. Anyhow, I want to touch on a little the water thing a bit. My friend wrote this article, and um, you guys know um, uh, Jim Hightower. Uh, he's a very prominent Texan here, uh, but he said Wall Street sharks are out to privatize commodity and commodify, and profit from water. In my book, um, my latest book, How to Make America Utopia, I wrote an article, and uh, actually I'm in a chapter, and I called it, um, I, I wish I had looked it up beforehand. Oh, does bottled water make you want real economic change now? That's on page, let's see what page that is on. That is on page... 156. I want to read a piece of it um, because I said we need a massive economic change that in addition to removing power and unearned wealth identifies and compensate based on one's innate worth thereby ensuring a robust safety net. COVID-19 is bad but there is the opportunity it presents. I generally work out between uh, midnight and two in the mornings as I spin and execute my routines. I have been watching Netflix documentaries, learning a lot, getting after affirmation for many of my beliefs, and much more. It continues to give me a resolve to try to do more. It takes many of us to do it. Those of us who have the good fortune to vegetate at home, unlike the heroes at the hospitals, grocery stores, our garbage collectors, and other hands that truly make our economy work, should consider two very good TV series. The first, Dirty Money, and the second, Rotten. I bring this up because I realize how hard change is from our calculated indoctrination that we have been deceived into accepting as our own. I was, I was having heartburn, and my wife brought me bottled water. I immediately felt like, damn, even in my household, is part of the problem. I wish she had switched, she had watched Trouble Water in the Rotten Series. This is how indoctrination works when we are complicit either by apathy or gullibility to corporate control of our government and our existence. We allow corporations to take free available water, to own rights to water, bottle it, and resell it to us at prices well more than the cost of production and even marketing. Worse, we pay for that water often twice, as it is the processed tap water we buy. It is even more sinister. Corporations promote the neglect of public water infrastructure by creating alliances to depress the tax base, tax cuts, etc. Sometimes this causes water quality issues. Then they market the bottled water to fix that problem. The thing is that the cost of bottled water way exceeds by orders of magnitude. The tax is required to have good water treatment systems available to all. The difference, corporate executives and shareholders take your money that you could otherwise use to increase your own personal wealth. This is a mechanism of our economic system used to unfairly take your wealth without your consent. Water, just something as simple as water bottles, as simple as bottled water, as simple as people haven't, people need to use bottled water. It's a result of tax cuts a results of I mean it, it is amazing how these things are so intertwined so intertwined. but folks I got to get out of here My name is Igberto Willis. Thank you so kindly for having been here uh, let's see if I need to salute anybody that I if I missed saluting you please bear with me it's what it's been a very very tough day. But you know, I've got to do this Love all of you My name is Egberto Willis This is Politics Done Right And you know how I end this baby I am what? Out!